23rd of June this year, Luke Morley releases his new solo album, Songs from the Blue Room, some 8,169 days after his first, El Gringo Retro, was released in Japan. I've been lucky enough to hear it, and it's another shining example of Ryan Roxy's ability to predict the future when he said in episode one of Metal Talk TV, there will be some amazing music released after the pandemic has eased. I'm delighted to welcome Luke to Metal Talk to chat about the Blue Room Project. How are you, sir? I'm fine, Steve. How are you? Yeah, good, good, good. Um, congratulations Thank on the you. album. How is Thank writing you. a solo album different from writing for Thunder? Uh, well, I think the, the, the main difference is, is really, um, you know, I think probably, obviously, vocally, I'm not writing for Danny. I'm writing for myself, so that's that's one that's one um, aspect of it. Um, I think also that you know people have expectations of Thunder and, and you know see Thunder as being being very much a rock and roll band, rock band, uh, hard rock band, metal band, call it what you will. Um, and I think the joy of being able to make a solo album is that I can go anywhere I want because people don't have any preconceptions musically about what it's going to be. And if they do then um, it's not something that I would worry about because I think, you know, the, the whole point of it is, is not to make a record like a Thunder record because that's what I do in my day job. So this for me is kind of like, um, you know, sort of doing something that's different and, um, you know, maybe getting a few of those things out of my system that, that Thunder maybe I can't do with Thunder or don't, don't feel as appropriate for Thunder. There's a distinct charm to your voice um, across songs from Blue Room. And um, with the exception of drums, yeah, this is all you, uh, production as well. Um, how does it feel to be sharing your soul to this extent? <laughs> Crikey, I hadn't thought about it like that. <laughs> uh, I, for me, mate, I've just written a bunch of songs. Um, I don't know. I think if, if, you, if you're in any kind of creative endeavour, whether you, if you write books, you make music, you make film, whatever you do, I think you're always, you know, to, to use your phrase, sharing a soul to a certain extent. Um, and I think there's no point in doing it if you don't. Um, and I think maybe all of us as creative people have, have some um, kind of genetic issue or problem that makes us crave approval from lots of other yeah. people at the same time. I don't know. I don't want to analyse that too far. Otherwise, I'll drive myself a bit more mad or madder. So, um, yeah, for me, it's just really, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting exercise because, I mean, it was brought on, uh, as you said earlier, by the pandemic to an extent in that I couldn't physically collaborate with anybody. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I just kind of had to kind of get on with it. And once I got into the process of doing it, it I, I started to quite enjoy it because it was, you know, it's a very, very different process than, mm -hmm. uh, you know, kind of, you know, obviously with the band. I know I write the songs for the band, but obviously I want them to, you know, to enjoy the songs and improve the songs and be comfortable in them. Uh, but obviously this time I've got nobody to answer to but myself. Having said that, I think myself serious talking to a couple of times. Um, I want to see The Light is the first track on the album. Um, you, you sing Get Me Out of This Cold Dark Place. Yeah, that's the um, that's the lockdown loneliness feelings raising their head. Yes, it didn't. Yeah, did, yes. It didn't, just not, you don't got to be a rocket scientist to work this one out. Yeah, very much so. It's very much about being uh, feeling slightly isolated and, and missing your mates and not being able to go out and, and be spontaneous. You know, that's a, a massive part of, of being alive. And uh, it was odd. I mean, I, to be honest with you, it wasn't too bad for me because, um, you know, um, you know, myself and my wife enjoyed ourselves. You know, we mm -hmm. listened to a lot of music, watched a lot of films, sat in the garden drinking wine too often, yep. probably. But 
but we tried to sort of, you know, we went out for lots of walks and stuff. And it was kind of good because she's very busy a lot of the time, as am I. So it was good to sort of hang out for a while together. And you know, I imagine it didn't it didn't go that well for some people. Yeah, that was six. well, it was it was really great weather first time round. So so me and my wife, yeah. we discovered um we discovered the our, our, rediscovered our love of wine in the garden. So um, but that's a really Absolutely. cool song. Um, I love the kind yeah, of major yeah. minor chord interchanges, and, and when you listen through the headphones. Um, the way you kind of layer the, the different guitar parts in, in the mix is really, really cool. It's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, when, you when you're putting these tracks together in the studio, you're layering your, your different guitars. It, do you have, um, do you have the, the big picture in your mind at the start or is this something that grows organically through the process? Yeah, kind of. It's, it's a mixture of both, really. I mean, uh, I, I wanted this, one, this particular song, that particular song, to sound, um, you know, uh, so I was driven by the acoustic guitar, but I, mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of move the electrics kind of in and out a little bit. So, as you say, might be laid. And there's a kind of there's some odd droning parts going on that mm -hmm. maybe aren't very obvious, but they're kind of there in the background that help add to the atmosphere. Yes. And um, yeah, I mean, it's something that you know you have a, I haven't always have a rough idea. It's a bit like painting. You know, you do the you start with the background and the foreground last, and it's kind of that's I sort of put. I guess I'll put tracks together that way, you know, and this is a good example of that. You know, you kind of layer up and go, oh, maybe that's 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 working, maybe that's not working. And you always make sure you leave room for the vocal and whatever the vocal's doing. And, you know, it's just, I just always work that way. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, I think you have to be aware of everything all the time. That's what production is, really. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, the first single, Killed by Cobain, um, that's a lovely slice of Americana that kind of brings to the mind uh, the traveling Wilburys at their finest, maybe. Um, we, we spoke to David Reese of Bangor Choir, uh, who released their, their debut album in the States uh, the same week as uh, Nirvana released their famous one. Uh, and kind yeah. of two, two weeks later, yeah, his American record company basically tore up the contract and, and told him to get day jobs. Um, obviously, Thunder's an English <laughs> band. Um, how, how was grunge this side of the pond? Well, I think, to be honest with you, it, um, I mean, it did impact on us in America as well, massively, um, um, you know, and, and we weren't starting from scratch, you know, at that point we had a, you know, we'd sold 250,000 albums and we had an album in the top 60 in America, so, you know, oh, sorry, a single in the top 60 yep. as well, and the video for Dirty Love was all over MTV like a rash, so, you know, our profile wasn't low exactly. Um, but still, what you're describing happened to your friend that happened to us, in, in, you know, pretty much Geffen, Geffen, which is our label, suddenly just completely pulled all their resources away from the more traditional rock acts. Um, and they, they actually bought Sub Pop, the, the, the um, Seattle label, that quite a few of those bands were on, and all the resources went that way. And, uh, you know, just to add to that, the, a lot of the American uh, rock radio formats changed virtually overnight. Um, and... Uh, so yeah, we found ourselves in a weird position where we were supposed to go out and tour with David Lee Roth and Cinderella. There's sheds all around the country, and the tickets didn't sell. Uh, and over there, it was very seismic. It was kind of it's a bit like punk rock here in '75. I don't think it really translated really grunge here as much. I don't think people were that kind of. I think over here, people thought, well, it's just more rock bands, except they've got you know more plaid shirts and more tattoos and. They've got goatees, and from a fashion point of view, it was slightly yep. different, I guess. Yeah. Um, and they got away from the big hair and all of that sort of stuff, which wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, but I don't think it had quite the impact that it had in America, to be frank. 
no 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 um no i mean I, I remember back in the day in the pub when you were playing pool yeah you'd have a few nirvana songs on there but you'd still have plenty of thunder and and other rock sure. bands as well um errol flynn so it was uh gene autry who said uh, of errol flynn um he spent more time on a bar stool or in court or in the headlines or in bed than anyone i know um i guess you've read that and this must be one of those weird things that can um, that, that, that can generate about songwriting in your mind. Yeah, kind of. I, I mean, I did know that about Errol Flynn. I, I sort of read, you know, various things about that that period in, in history of Hollywood that I find quite fascinating. Mm -hmm. You know, and I read David Niven's books, and David Niven and him shared a flat for a while. God knows what that was like. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it, it was interesting. I, it was kind of using Errol as a metaphor, really. For I think for all men, right. Um, you know, and as men, we get to a certain age and we realise that, you know, whereas women used to look at us, now they look through us. <laughs> <laughs> that's, kind of, that's kind of what happens. So it's a bit yeah. of that. And it's a bit of, it's a bit of coming to terms with the fact that you're, you know, you're getting old. Um, and, you know, those of us who are lucky enough to experience that have to deal with it, obviously. But not everybody does get the opportunity to get old and we should always remember yeah. that. It's a privilege not granted to everybody. So... It's kind of, it's, it's that really, it's looking at that and, and um, you know, you kind of, it's a guy kind of looking at his younger self, I suppose, and, and, and um, you know, saying, all right, son, you know, it's time to kind of get off your bar stool and, uh, you know, retire gracefully from, from, from everything in, in a kind of, um, in that sort of way. I suppose it, I suppose it, it takes Errol Flynn, uses Errol as a metaphor, because obviously he's probably about the most famous shagger in all history. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. It, you know, all of those things um, that he spent his whole life doing that destroyed him in the end. Um, yeah. You know, um, I suppose it's, it's a bit of, all of those things are going on in there. It's also maybe a little bit about my father, mm -hmm. um, who, who, who died, uh, passed away two years ago. And uh, he, he, you know, he, he he had a really he lived a full life, my old man. Let's just leave it there. Um, so it's kind of maybe a little bit about him as well. Oh no, sorry. Uh, Damage is the first song on the album where the the piano's at the fore. Um, mm -hmm. is, is piano something that comes to you naturally, or you have to work hard at it? Uh, well, piano obviously. I, I'm a guitar player, so I can do pretty much what I want on the guitar. Um, so I sit at the piano, and all it represents to me is a load of frustration because. <laughs> I can see everything, I know where everything is, but my hands won't bloody go there. Um, my, de my dexterity is not fabulous. Uh -huh. Having said that, I've got a lot better the last few years. Um, and I use it, it's something that I use as a tool for writing frequently. And uh, most of the time it will get transposed on the guitar. But occasionally, um, I think if something kind of sounds great on the piano, it will stay there. And that's obviously the case with Darren. Mm. It's built all around the piano part, as yep. you say. Uh, Nobody Cares uh, is great. Um, again, there's uh, some wonderful atmospheric piano in there. Um, it, it, it's the, the five-minute epic of the album. Um, I love the way it builds, yeah. The bass comes in and then mandolin later. Yeah. Um, is, is there a plan to play any of this live? Because there's an obvious crowd participation point in that song. Yeah, well, I think I'm, I'm actually talking about that at the moment to various people about the possibility of going out maybe later this year do some shows. Cool. It, it, I don't want to do it if I can't do it properly. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. So um, I want to make sure the right musicians are available and, and um, you know, it's the right kind of venues and everything's right about it because I'm too old to do it badly. Um, and 
uh, I have no desire to do it if I can't do it the way I want to do it. Um, and seeing as the album is kind of a sort of side project anyway, um, initially I was thinking I won't bother doing any gigs. And now what's happened is now the kind of news is out that it, the album's coming and people have heard the first track. It's like, well, when are you touring? It's like, well, I'm not, I don't know. So I thought, well, I better have a look at it. Um, so I'm looking at it. Oh. Um, yes, I think this, this this will work good live, will work well live. I think um, I think a lot of the tunes will work quite well because I think they're essentially um, quite simple songs. It, funnily enough, Nobody Cares isn't simple. It's, no. it's, it's, it's an odd, it's in Walt's time, which is always odd anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has a, a bizarre key change uh, and then uh, a modulation and a demodulation, which doesn't happen very often. I, I yep. must have been on drugs that day. And I have no <laughs> idea where where the, the melody, da, 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 da. I've no mm-hmm. idea where that came from. Um, I mean, right the, out the, of left field. The, the, there's some uh, wonderful humour in that song too, you know, um, kind of after about the third or fourth list. Yeah, you've got the, the, the la-la sections, haven't you? You've got the key change you mentioned with the acoustic guitar. Yeah. So that's kind of like happy, like, you know. Um, but then it's it, it, it's split by the verses where you're just having a bloody good old moan, aren't you? <laughs> exactly. Yes. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's just lyrically, it's it's uh, it's it's about the um, the mundanity of most of what people put up on Facebook or, or, right, or okay. social media. Yeah. yeah. Like you know, it, here's a photograph of my dinner, that kind of thing. You know? Yeah. Um, because I think you know, there's enough bloody mundanity in my own life. I don't need other people's as well. So that's that's kind of really what the song is saying. It's just for God's sake, you haven't got to share everything that's going through your brain. You really don't, you know. And uh, yeah, so it's just me moaning as usual. <laughs> but there's some really good vocals in there, um, and, and you really you really push your voice at, at, at points. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, I think you know, obviously, I'm very lucky. I work with some amazingly talented singers over the years and uh, you know uh, you know Danny I mean Jesus Christ he's got yep. one of the great the great English blues rock voices he has mm-hmm. he's a, and a pure tenor I mean he would have been if he'd have been born 200 years ago he'd have been a fantastic opera singer I mean he can do anything it's amazing um and you know obviously because of that and then subsequently working with the other people I worked with like Peter Shoulder who I did the union with and uh and a couple of years on and off working with Robert Palmer in Power Station. I worked with some amazing singers. So um, singing was not really something I had to, had to think about particularly. Um, obviously, I make demos at home all the time. And when, I, when I'm writing Thunder songs, I'll sing them all, you know, as best I can. A lot of the time, that's it. Because Danny's a pure tenor, which is way higher than me. I'm much more in a baritone kind of range. So um, one of the nice things about this album is I was actually singing songs that I could actually hit the notes. <laughs> and that really helped me. <laughs> Um, and I think, you know, it's not something I've, ex- I, as a, me being a singer, isn't something I've explored massively, to be honest. So um, that was, you know, a good exercise about this album as I had to get into that and think about that a lot more. Um, and singing, obviously, even, I think about singing a lot, even if it's Danny and what he's singing, because, you know, as a producer of the Thunder Records, part of my job is to make sure that, that everything, everybody's doing the best they can and they're, interpretation of the song is the best it can be and uh, obviously so I think a lot about Danny's vocal parts and what he's singing you know there's something that's part of the construction of the song to me it's crucial so um, I'm analysing singing all the time even if I'm not doing it and then obviously but this album I'm actually having to do it so it's uh, yeah slightly different but but good it's a good it's a good it's a good challenge to you know to give yourself when you're kind of 60 years old yeah 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 um I mean I don't want to go through every song. Every song, watch the sun go down is cool. That would make a, a good second single. 
Yes, very, very, that very, um, yes, that probably will, uh, yes. Uh, it, it, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yep. I'm not cool. supposed to say anything, but yes, you're no. quite right. It would make a good single. It would make a good single, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, lying to myself. Yeah, you're on the harmonica there as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm. You know, a harmonica is another one of those instruments I play badly, but um, mm-hmm. just about enough to get away with it. I mean, it's it's, it's funny the instrument the harmonica because there's lots and lots and lots and lots of people who play it okay. Yeah, uh, I'm just another one of them, you know. Whether it's me, whether it's know, John Lennon was a very okay harmonica player, uh, you know. And then you have people like Stevie Wonder who can really bloody play. Yeah, um, yep. who uh, my brain can't—I don't even understand what he's doing on harmonica. It's so complex. Um, but yeah, for just kind of knocking out a, um, a tune and giving a flavour of something. I mean, Dylan's another one who, who, who you know who will never go down in, in, as the greatest harmonica player in the world, mm-hmm. but. What he did, it complemented his his acoustic guitar, and I, I, the combination of the two is kind of timeless for me. So it's nice to be able to do that. Um, and yeah, I, I like the sound of, sound of harmonica. It's um, yeah. it's it's, uh, it's not the most popular instrument, and it's not used that often these days. But um, no, I always enjoy it. No, it does have a place, uh, and you found certainly found one there. Um, I'm the one you want. That's kind of the most thunder song on the album. Um, there's some really cool bass on there in, in unison with the guitar in parts too. Yeah, you, you're a yeah. fan of bass, obviously. I love I love playing the bass. I mean, I really enjoy it. It's it's it, it, to me, it's the most uh, underused instrument in in rock, mm-hmm. particularly because it's so easy to do this in you know the the, the obvious thing. Um, but I think if you you know, I mean, my favourite bass players are James Jameson, John Paul Jones, John mm-hmm. Entwistle, Paul McCartney, and all of those. Yep. There's always something going on. There's always a counter melody or something mm-hmm. rhythmic or something interesting. So you always notice the bass on, yep. on, on, on those records, but not to the detriment of the song. And to me, mm-hmm. that's the thing is that you can, it can be a wonderfully melodic instrument, the bass, mm-hmm. and very powerful. Um, and it's the sort of instrument that people tend not to notice it um, until it stops. And then they go, hang on a minute, there's something missing here. It's, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it's, uh, it is a very, very important thing. And, yeah, and I always love, that's the thing I love about having a home studio is I can take really take my time and try and find something interesting for the bass to be doing. Mm-hmm. Although on this particular song, like I said, on that particular section you're talking about is just doubling the guitar. Yeah. But that's normally you don't hear basses being bass parts aren't that quick normally. Um, no, no. But it's quite an interesting thing to do it with the guitars and just uh, yeah, yeah, good fun. Yeah, it's it, it, it's it's wonderfully widdly enough yeah that uh, the doubling the guitar part yeah it's pretty cool sure. liked it liked it uh the album finishes on on the beautiful and upbeat in in mood don't be long it's kind of um a poignant song really um I, I really love the way that you've presented the album in the order that you have across the 10 songs um mm-hmm. i mean i think uh, the way um a lot of people listen to music these days they, they really miss out on the the beauty behind the journey of an album uh, mm-hmm. of songs presented in a, a, a sort certain order. That's that's obviously something you you agree with. Completely, I think uh, it's it's a generational thing, isn't it? Really, I mean, yeah. I, you know, it, 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 I find it really worrying if I hear because I've got listening to the Beatles, and, and, mm-hmm. and if I hear a Beatles album or if I hear Beatles songs out of context in the wrong order, it makes me feel quite uncomfortable. Right. Right. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, the sequence was important, uh, mm-hmm. and across an album. Um, I, I do believe it is very important, and if you get it wrong, you know, mm-hmm. you can people can lose their way listening to it. And I think uh, these days, though, young people listen to music very differently. Their, yep. their attention span is, I think, a lot shorter, uh, and they're less patient. They they don't 
I think in my generation, if we bought a record by an artist that we liked, um, or that we, you know, that we kind of believed in, and then we heard the album initially, we didn't like it, we would persevere with it for a little bit. Yes, and yes. just kind of go, and eventually it would kind of reveal itself. Yeah. Um, I, I maybe young people aren't really like that so much anymore. Um, I think there's very much kind of uh, I don't like that next. Um, I'm probably doing all young people a disservice because I'm sure I'm all like that. But I think we live in a very, very fast world where there's not much time for for, for dwelling on things, and um, there's so much being thrust into your face that it, to try and take everything in is, uh, you know, it's uh, impossible. Uh, it's oh, tonight, moving so quickly. Tonight, man, there's so much out there. I mean, Mrs. Ritchie is uh, is one for you know if I play something in the kitchen, yeah, she's you know she can make a, a, a judgment after about forty seconds, you know. And um, <laughs> you know that's totally totally alien to me. Yeah, if you you, you kind of like listen to it maybe second time or third time, yeah, and then you start to kind of pick up bits on it. Yeah, it's a real shame, you know. And there is there is loads yeah, of stuff really, coming I mean, out. One of my favourite bands is Steely Dan. And, right. You know, the first time I heard Steely Dan, I I I, I can still remember where I was. I was sitting in a field. I was sitting at Reading Festival in nineteen seventy five. John Peel was a DJ, and he played Do It Again, and I. I just stopped what I was doing completely. It was a real moment for me. So I've never heard anything that kind of cool and laid back and interesting and weird. But then when I bought the album, I just thought oh, it, was just, it was quite kind of obtuse, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and difficult. But I still, to this day, listen to Stevie Dan at least once a week. Um, right. And it's the sort of music, once again, it doesn't reveal itself to you at, at first. You have mm -hmm. to put some effort into understanding yep. what's going on. And um, but, it, but it's worth it. You know, you get much more out of it in the end. You know? Yeah, it's effort and reward, isn't it? Um, so Songs and Blue Rooms out 23rd of June. I mean, you, you, you mentioned kind of preconceived ideas. I certainly didn't have one. Um, but it's one that I really um, enjoyed listening to. Um, you, you, know, you. You, should be, you should be very proud of it. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm pleased with it. I, I'm very pleased with it. It's, it's uh, you know, it's a funny thing. You know, people, I've, I've been asked a couple of times over the past couple of weeks, you know, do you still get excited when you, when you mm -hmm. put something new out? And, and very much so, yeah, I mean, because... There's always that kind of worry that people aren't going to like it, or yep. you know, people are going to go, "Oh, this is awful." Um, you know, I, I suppose it's um, yeah. There's always that kind of slight worry, but so far, touch wood. Um, certainly, the reaction to the first tracks has been very, very good, and mm -hmm. people like yourself have heard the album have all have all been very positive. So, you know, so far, so good. I mustn't complain. Great, great. Uh, any message for the fans? Well, uh, well, I, well. I, I just as far as as far as songs from the Blue Room's concerned, um, I really hope you enjoy it and, and uh, it, it floats your boat. Um, and to you know, just a massive, 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 massive thank you to everybody that helped us out with Danny's situation, and mm -hmm. um, and just to say that he is he's recovering and he's doing really, really well. Um, and you know, uh, I don't think with Thunder will do much this year. But I think next year it's definitely a possibility. And, uh, you know, I just want to pass that on from, from him as well, just to say thank you so much. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, Luke, thank you so much for your time. Um, yeah, I wish you the very best with this. And, uh, yeah, we're definitely looking forward to seeing it live. Yeah. Thanks. Well, let's see if that happens, of course. Right, OK. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brilliant. Thanks, Luke. Cheers. Take care now. OK. Bye -bye.